Thomas, now turn with me please this evening to our Bible reading in Matthew's Gospel chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is the penultimate message on this long series that we embarked on over some two years ago. Now we haven't just been doing it every consecutive Sunday but I know some of you maybe thought we weren't going to get out of Matthew 5 to 7 but we will, God willing, next Sabbath day it will all be brought to a close. It's been a challenge. It's been a challenge to all of our hearts, the hearts and lives of those that know the Lord, the hearts and lives of those that know not the Lord. So this is the conclusion. Matthew 7, we'll read from verse 15, we'll read down to verse 23. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Amen. We'll end our reading here at verse 23. We know that the Lord will bless his public reading of his own holy and precious word. Now with the word of God open before us, let's unite in prayer just for a little moment. There's a, an urgent prayer request has come in for India tonight. Over the past few uh, months, there have been many churches that have been burnt down in India. Many Christians have lost their lives. And literally thousands of them have been displaced. And this is all to do with tribal uh, interfacing and, and tribal conflict. And the Christian community is, is uh, focused in it. Not all over India, of course. India is a, a massive uh, country, but in, in some particular states. So we're asking you to pray tonight that God's hand would be upon that situation. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank thee for thy church worldwide. We thank thee for the persecuted body of Christ. We lift up to thee those dear believers in the great land of India. We cry to thee in those areas that are under attack tonight that thy hand of protection would abide upon the churches and upon the Christians. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt even move in, in the hearts and lives of the army and of the police, that they will intervene 
that they will protect property and persons. And Lord, we just pray for God's intervention at this time. We thank thee for all who know and love thee as their saviour out there. Thank thee for the great multitudes that will come from Asia on that last great day. And Lord, we pray this evening that you'll bless in those areas uh, that are under the very attack of the devil at this time. We gather around thy word and in thy name and we pray that thou will bless our, our meditation upon the truth of God. Make it to be sweet to all of our souls and speak into all of our hearts. Help us as we would open the book. Fill us with the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and equip us. Give help in the preaching. Give help in the hearing. And may we know the Lord's enablement. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're turning your attention tonight to verse 21 to verse 23. Final words, of course, are very important. And we remember those final words that have been said to us over the years, but especially the poignancy when they are in the light of the day of judgment. And here are probing words and they're searching words to search out the, the true intentions of all who profess the Lord's name and who profess to have a true interest in Christ. This text really is not for the man in the street. This text is for the man, the woman, the boy or girl, the young person in the pew. This is addressed to the professing body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll recall in our previous study we considered the false prophets. And Jesus said beware of false prophets. But even false prophets have converts. And that's the context of this passage of scripture. And these converts' character is very clearly outlined to us from verse 21 to verse 23. They claim allegiance to Christ, but their, their claim lacks any credibility because their talk is uncorroborated by a Christian walk. And such professors of religion, they can talk all about prayer and about calling upon the name of the Lord but all of the talk about prayer will not gain a soul an entrance into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, which Jesus spoke of, I believe, is synonymous with the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus directed the thoughts of Nicodemus, that religious man from the Sanhedrin council in Jerusalem, in John 3, verse 3. He said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, they're interchangeable terms. And here we have a reference not just to the kingdom of grace on earth, but we also have a reference to the kingdom of glory in heaven and in eternity to come. And how amazing these words of Christ are, because we would think it's the very opposite of what he's actually saying. If somebody goes to the trouble of actually repeating twice over the name of the Lord, we would think at least nominally it's okay with them, but the Lord wants to probe underneath the nominal profession. And he says, nominally acknowledging Christ as Lord is not enough to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Such a, pro a profession has to be accompanied by a true work of grace in the heart. We believe in grace. We believe in the gospel of grace. And we believe that the gospel of grace exhibits the true fruits of righteousness. And what is the true fruit of the gospel of grace? Well, it's conversion. And the two 
main fruits of conversion, of course, are repentance and saving faith in Christ. And an outward profession, no matter how plausible it is in the eyes of men and in the eyes of the world, will avail nothing in the day of judgment, men and women, unless there's an inward possession of Christ in the heart and life. I know there must be the acknowledging of Christ as Lord. That's one of the keys. Jesus put it like this in John 13, 13. He called me Master and Lord. And ye say well, for so I am. So that outward profession is important. It's important for every sinner to acknowledge Christ as Lord, as Master and as Saviour. But the outward profession without the inward participation of the soul with the divine nature will avail to nothing when the soul is called to give an account before God. A.W. Pink, in his commentary, he gives us five different types of religious professors. Now I know I'm addressing church people tonight, so it's good that we delineate those who profess religion. We have the nominal professor. That's an outward acquaintance with Christianity. And Protestantism in Northern Ireland has become nominal. A nominal acquaintance with the things of God. There are multitudes and the only time, and they take the name of Protestant, they'll have an orange sash on them. On the 12th of July they'll walk with great, uh, with great show and great pomp and great pageantry. But it's all just nominalism. Because you'll never see them except at Christmas or at Easter or at some uh, loyal order parade. And it amounts to nothing more than just that. It's nominalism. Uh, And let us not think this happens in other lands. It's happening here in Ulster. And what are they? Well, I'll tell you what they are. They're nothing more than respectable heathens. Nothing short Nothing more. Then we have formalism. These are the people who know the creed. They, they can quote the catechism. But they don't know Christ. It's good to know the creed. It's good to know the catechism. But the foundation of it all has to be Christ. Then there are the deceived. They're, they're self-assured. They, they, they believe they're saved. But they don't know regenerating grace. You know, in reading through the life story of Adoram Judson and his wife Nancy before they came to the Lord, it was a great battle in their soul. Do I know regenerating grace? And they were brought up in Calvinistic congregationalism, the soundest of doctrine and the greatest of opportunities. Then there's the hypocritical, the hypocritical professor. Those who deliberately, consciously want others to believe that there's something that they're not. But I'm glad there's the genuine professor. Those who genuinely know regenerating grace. Those that are partakers of the divine nature. You know, I I want you to learn tonight again that profession is not possession. That's a startling thought. Profession, even as a child, as a young person, saying some prayer in a meeting, putting your hand up, coming forward in a meeting, signing a decision card, all of those things. Profession, outward profession, is not possession. 
and an outward profession of religion and it can be made in a Free Presbyterian church. And I know tonight across our land in Free Presbyterian churches, I'm only talking with, about our own denomination in Free Presbyterian churches, there are many and have made outward professions. But it will not be enough to get them into heaven because they haven't got an inward possession of Christ. The day will declare it. The judge of all men at that final assize will open the books and the records will be judged. I think it's a solemn passage of scripture. I couldn't go past it. Verse 21 to verse 23, because it does expose the heart of the false professor. I would not be a true gospel minister if I didn't preach this message to you. That those who have sat under this gospel ministry in this pulpit for many years, that there could well be some numbered amongst us, and you have nothing to show at the judgment day other than a false profession of faith. We, we collectively need to examine what we do profess and I, and I want you to look into your own heart tonight and I want you to be sure in your own heart that what you have is a genuine uh, possession of Christ. As we look at these verses of scripture, we, we learn about the false professor. We also learn about what is the genuine professor. But the false professor, first of all, is characterized by empty words. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. These words can even be religious words. I do think the connection is with the fruits of the false prophets. False prophets, apostate religion. It produces apostate converts. People who have a religious veneer but who are still not right with God. Men call upon the name of the Lord. They, they can even take that name in front of others. And yet they can be lost. I, I'm not saying again that this is to stop us from praying. Or, to using, or from publicly using the Lord's name. But it is to stop us. It is to check us from resting on outer forms of, of godliness. Without knowing inward grace. This, this, this idea is taken up many times by the Saviour in Luke 6, 46, that parallel passage. Uh, and he's, Jesus said to them, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Dear brethren and sisters, that will cut a swathe down in Ulster tonight. People who say Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which the Lord says. People who believe that they... That they are the judge of their own destinies. Jesus said in Luke 13, 24, 25. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. The narrow gate again. For many I say unto you will seek to enter in. And shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up. And has shut to the door. And you begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying. Lord, Lord open unto us. And he'll answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Here's a prayer when the door is shut. I believe, I know there will be multitudes who will pray when the door is shut. When the door of opportunity and grace is shut. 
and they'll knock at the door and they'll cry to God at the door, open unto us. And the Lord will say unto them, I know you not. I know not where you've come from. I know you not. This, these are solemn thoughts. These are religious people we're talking about tonight. They're not the heathen. They're religious people. They know the name of the Lord. They know the name of the Lord, but they don't know the Lord. Empty sounding words coming from empty hearts mean nothing. It is evident here that these words are used by multitudes. Jesus said, not every one in verse 21, but in verse 22, he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. And there are multitudes across our land and their religion is nothing but empty, hollow sounding words. And how many are swayed by, by popular influences on outward religiosity. Multitudes. John Bunyan, I, I love the writings of John Bunyan, and he has some marvellous characters in his writings, and one such man was by the name of Mr. Talkative. There are many people, and they love to talk about religion, but they're not religious. Christian and faithful, they met this man as they were headed to the celestial city. And he was glad to have their company because he complained that there were not many in his day, even as they journeyed, who loved to talk about spiritual things. And he proceeded then to talk about spiritual conversations and he discoursed about other unworthy people, other earthly things and such forth. But Christian knew talkative. He knew he was from the city of destruction. He knew, though he had pleasant speech, he had a poor reputation. And he knew that talkative, when he talked, was under the influence of the alcohol. And there are many people tonight, and you wouldn't get a religious word out of their, their mouth, except they had alcohol in their system. It's not an amazing thing. But it's not a new thing. He brings shame in the name of religion. Lord, Lord. Mr. Talkative, I, I pray that that's not you tonight. You're able to discourse and talk about religion and talk about denominations and preachers. You know, there's some people even here and all along have, have weighed in on me about various preachers and they've tried to assess them and they've tried to analyze them. All talkative. But what's the inward reality? You know, this is the fruit of the false prophet. This is the fruit of an empty profession. Just words. Just words. No work of grace. And such will be found out to be empty sounding words on the day of judgment. I want you to search your heart tonight, dear man or woman, dear young person, dear boy or girl. Have you got more than words to present before the Lord? Secondly, these false uh, professors are often characterized also by empty works. Oh, great works, but empty works. Look at verse 22. They have prophesied in Christ's name. You would think this is pretty, this is pretty important, isn't it? That somebody could prophesy in the name of Christ. And there are many today across our land 
and they claim to be able to prophesy in Christ's name and they stand up and they'll stand up uh, before people and they'll say, God has spoken to them and God has revealed this and that and the other to them. But they're not talking about the Bible. They're talking about some extra biblical revelation that God has given to them and they have a vision. And they'll be able to tell you where you're going, who you're going to marry, what's going to happen afterwards, how many children you're going to have. They're able to prophesy all these things. Well, even in the Bible, let me tell you, there were many such prophets. We think of Balaam in the book of Numbers. He, he was a great prophet, but he was a false prophet. He wanted to die the death of the righteous, but he died with the heathen and he died in judgment. I think of others, uh, if you turn with me uh, to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 13, it says concerning the, those prophets in Samaria, they prophesied in Baal and they caused my people Israel to err. This was a reference to the ten northern tribes. And those false prophets, they caused the ten northern tribes to go into Baal worship. They influenced they influenced the covenant people of Israel. They caused them to err. That's what the Bible says. False prophets produce false results. Uh, it's not just in the Old Testament. Uh, I think of those references. If you go with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And verse 13 to 15. Oh what, what happenings there were in those apostolic days. Acts 19 and verse 13, we read, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, these were people who, uh, who claimed that they had the power to exorcise demons out of people. They took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. What were they doing? False prophets that were taking the Lord's name. Saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and a chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are ye? The devil is able to see through the false prophet. But there are many who profess in nominal Christianity who aren't. Matthew Henry in his comments, Oh, he stirred my own heart as a preacher. He said, these prophesied in his name, but he did not send them. They only made use of his name to serve a turn. A man may be a preacher. He may have gifts for the ministry and an external call to it and perhaps some success in it and yet be a wicked man. May even help others to heaven and yet come short of it himself. They prophesied, they cast out demons. We read of the return of the 72 in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 17 to 19, that they returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the, the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you 
but rejoice rather because your names are written in heaven. I think I want you to think for a minute of the apostolic band, those twelve apostles. They had such power because we read they went out and they preached that men should repent and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And one of them was Judas. One of them was Judas. He cast out devils and yet the devil took possession of him. In this age of charismatic delusion and false prophets, it's right to point out, as one of old did, that a man might cast out uh, devils of others and yet have a devil himself, nay, be a devil himself. These works, prophesying, casting out demons. Look at the charismatic Pentecostal that this say, age that we live in it's all it's all been claimed in in 2023 today mighty works working miracles lord jesus outlined it the, these people they it seemed as if they could do anything matthew chapter 7 and verse 22 they said lord and in thy name we have done many wonderful works. This is what they were presenting before the Lord on that great day. Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've done many mighty works in your name. Many miracles in your name. Grace alone can bring a, a man to heaven. And it's grace alone. Working miracles will never bring a man to heaven without the grace of God. I think of those words in 1 Corinthians 13 and 2. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. And have not charity. Charity. I have nothing. I have not love. I have nothing. I, I believe the day of miracle workers have ceased. I believe in miracles. I believe God is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think or even say. But I don't believe in the age of miracle workers. But we still have men and women today who like to boast themselves of that ability. And there are people in this country today, in Northern Ireland, who are going around evangelical halls and meetings. And they're taking with them oil and they're anointing people and claiming to heal people. Just Matthew 7 again. Let's take heed, men and women of all of these externals. Lest we deceive ourselves. There are plenty of workers, empty workers, across our land today. But I want to say to you again, as I said this morning, anything but the work of Christ, anything but the work of Christ will never avail for the soul. What, what are you depending on for your salvation? You can prophesy, you can do miracles, you can cast out demons and still go to hell. It's the work and the work of Christ alone. It'll get you into heaven. 
Thirdly, I want you to notice these uh, false professors are characterized by empty worship. You know the key to all of this, I believe, is found in those words of Jesus to them in verse 23. I never knew you. I never knew you. It's, it's all personalized, isn't it? Empty, hollow worship is, is drawing nigh to God with the lips, but not with the hearts. That's what Jesus said further on in Matthew 15, verse 7 to 8. He said, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And I'm afraid there are many in evangelical churches tonight, free Presbyterian churches, and their heart is far from God. And I want you to search out your heart. Because where the heart is not engaged, there can be no love in the heart. If I have not love, Paul said, I am nothing. If you have not love in your heart for Christ tonight, if you have not love in your heart to God through Christ tonight, it's nothing. You can sit there from now to eternity. And it means nothing. The opposite of empty worship is, is actually doing the will of Christ. That's what Jesus spoke of here, which is the will of the Father in heaven. And the will of God is clearly revealed in the gospel. What is God's will for you this evening? Well, that you would believe in his Son. That you would repent of your sin. That you would receive his salvation by faith. That you would live a holy life. That's the will of God for your life and my life this evening. Saying and doing are often talked about, but in true worship and service, the two become one. This is the difference between profession and practice. James said in James 1.22, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. These false professors outwardly worship, but inwardly they don't know Jesus. Salvation is all about relationship. Salvation is not religion. Salvation is not the externals religion. The rights of the church. Salvation is about a relationship with God through faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love those verses in John 17 and 3. Where Jesus said, this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's the key. Knowing God, knowing Jesus Christ, that's eternal life. If you want to have eternal life, you have to know God, you have to know Jesus Christ. That's relationship. If you still don't know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent into this world, then I have to say to you, in light of the judgment day, if you died in that seat this very moment where you live, we could bring that defibrillator, we could try to get your heart all started again, but you would be lost. Because Jesus would declare, I never knew you. They outwardly worshipped, but they never personally knew the Lord Jesus. The key to this work of grace it's knowledge. It's relationship. Do you have that relationship with God in your soul tonight? 
through personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who die impenitent, they're judged as workers of iniquity. You think of it. They've done those works. They, they have prophesied. They've cast out demons. <clears throat> they have prayed, Lord, Lord. But Jesus said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There are workers of iniquity in gospel pews across our nation tonight. As God looks into the heart. On that great day when we stand before God or at death. Those same workers will be banished. Jesus will say depart. Depart. When he came into this world Jesus said come. I love all those words that use the word come in the gospel. Matthew 11, you know, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he's saying to you, come. Come. But if you die in your sin, he'll say, depart. Depart into hell. To everlasting judgment and punishment. It is a wake-up call, dear brethren and sisters. <clears throat> a multitude, multitude who profess, but who don't possess. False professors sitting in church pews tonight in free Presbyterian pews. Workers of iniquity. John Bunyan introduces another character towards the end of his, his book, A Pilgrim's Progress, and he's called Ignorance. Ignorance thought he knew better than, than a Christian and faithful. He, he refused to enter the narrow, narrow way by the wicked gate, and therefore he had no scroll. He claimed to live a good enough life. He was confident that God would accept his own righteousness and would permit him to enter into the celestial city. And therefore, when he came to the gate, he got across the river. When he got across the river and when he came to the gate, he was asked for a scroll. And he didn't have it. And John Bunyan tells us that the shining ones, the angels, came and they took possession of him and they took him to another door. And Bunyan depicts it in the following, that there's a way to hell from the gates of heaven as well as from the city of destruction. At the very end of the journey, when he should have been entering in to heaven, he entered into hell. I think that's the greatest tragedy of all, expecting heaven, entering into hell. Don't be ignorant of your soul's salvation tonight. You come to Christ. Today Jesus says come. You come to Christ tonight. Don't leave it another day. Don't be afraid of people thinking, oh, oh, that I am a Christian. You know in your own heart what you are before God. Don't leave it even another day.